So the US terror thing was kind of a, a crypto black swan event. The fact that they shut down Terra, I'd never seen that before. I remember texting my friend, I'm like, they actually shut down the blockchain. Yeah, so one, not particularly decentralized, so, you know, and two, holy hecka. Um, but eventually we had to stop trading it. We just couldn't, there was no way we could fulfill the orders and, and ethically we're looking at it going, that looks like it's headed to zero. Hi folks, and welcome to the Blockchain New Zealand podcast. I'm Jeff Nicey, and today I'm talking to Paul Quickenden. Paul is the head of New Zealand at Easy Crypto. That's in relation to their global operations across Australia, South Africa, Brazil, and New Zealand. In this conversation, we talk about the recent market activity. The NASDAQ is down about 25% year-to-date. In that time, crypto is also down about 45%, but people are still buying. We touch on Easy Crypto expanding into overseas markets. I ask Paul about their process for listing new digital assets. How do they decide what to list? And are they concerned about listing rubbish? We also get into the recent Terra Luna crash and stablecoin depegging event where they had to halt buy and sell orders. And of course, a lot of other providers did as well. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Paul Quickenden. Paul, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for coming in. Perfect. Hey, I really appreciate the invite. So thank you for, um, for thinking of us. Great. Let's start by talking about markets. Just yesterday, we had some news. The Reserve Bank mentioned that they're up in the interest rate by another half a percent. Uh, and that puts us at 2%. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the same package, uh, they have predicted that by June 2023, we'll be at 3.9% which is pretty much double where we are today. So what, what do you think, based on where we've been coming from the past few months in this climate, what do you think we're in for in the next year? I mean, are Kiwis going to be able to buy tasty cheese again? Uh, I mean, inflation is, is the big one of the big problems that we're all facing globally, and it, and it seems that it's um, a response to the challenges the globe faced around COVID, you know, and... Uh, I don't want to second guess those responses. They were, at, at the time, they were probably the, exactly the right type of thing we did. But we did put a lot of cheap money in, out into the world, and that money went uh, into assets. And then, you know, growth happened and inflation kind of spiraled out of that. And so they're desperately trying to control it. New Zealand's doing it. Um, Australia's a little bit further behind, but they're starting to get into a tightening cycle. Um, the big one to watch will be the US Fed, because uh, they, if they come out, equally as hawkish, so predicting higher rates for longer, then, um, you know, that will be a, a, a down signal for the crypto and more at-risk assets. The tech stocks are also taking a bit of a hammering at the same time. Um, and the kind of dynamic that's going on is, you know, in, in a low-interest environment, riskier plays give you better returns. And so, you know, tech stocks, uh, crypto, were doing pretty well in that regard. But with the rising uh, interest rates, then more conservative instruments with less risk are still paying decent returns. So people are moving, you know, into bank accounts, cash, into bonds, that sort of stuff, um, and uh, to the detriment of the riskier stocks. So that's what's going on in the markets. And so, um, and then on top of that, we've got, you know, still got COVID virus running around and we've right. got, you know, other other things going on, like, you know, the terrible events in Ukraine and, um, uh, Sri Lanka, you know, it's nothing ever happens in a vacuum, but it's, you know, there are some some things that are 
putting at question, you know, global growth and all that sort of stuff. And and um, frankly, the world didn't have a lot of ammunition left. You know, we were at kind of record low interest rates. And so the least worst options are being chosen, I guess. Right. Well, there's nowhere to go except up. Up. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I also read yesterday when I was looking at the news about the interest rate, uh, some people were praising uh, the New Zealand move because it means that there is now more room to come back down yeah. should they need to. And so I think opinion seems to be split in terms of how long this type of environment will last. Would you agree with that, that yeah. we might come back sooner? Yeah, look, there's there's a, a camp that's saying it's transitory and then, and then there's a camp that's saying, no, this is there's something fundamentally going along underneath that's going to drive inflation for a lot longer. Uh, which says to me that they're probably both right. It'll be somewhere in the middle. If I just have a my own vacuum hat on, the yep. ideal scenario would be you know a, a short term blip and in, in rise in rates, and then everything stabilises, and um, and then we get back into kind of a growth growth kind of um, risk based investing kind of play. But you know I was listening to Bloomberg yesterday, and they're, they're calling that's kind of a twenty five percenter. Uh, and so it says to me that somewhere in the middle, so maybe a little bit longer than everyone was originally hoping, so maybe the end of next year type thing. Right, and I mean, end of next year seems terribly far away. Oh, it does. You know, uh, it's it's the one thing um, I've really noticed as global events, you know, the time horizon seems to be shrinking and shrinking. Things, technology mean thing, means things happen faster. The impacts are happening faster as well. So it'll be, it's, you know, it's a pretty uncertain time in the markets, I guess, and... You know, we're getting close to some record bottoms and, you know, record moves down and NASDAQ and, you know, all the other indices. So um, can they go further, lower? Absolutely. Right. Nothing, there's no guarantees. Um, but, you know, in terms of technical analysis, people are saying we're kind of getting into the bounds where we might be getting close to the bottom in some of those markets. In terms of in terms of the NASDAQ, you know, it's a package of tech stocks. Sure. And... Sometimes they're considered to be growth stocks, and that means that they're higher risk than other stocks. Uh, so bringing it back around to Easy Crypto, I know you're not a public company mm-hmm. um, that has listed shares, but given this environment and this climate, does that affect you as a tech company? Does that affect Easy Crypto in terms of your near-term outlook? Well, we're, we're not immune to the market. So, you know, we're, we're, we kind of think of ourselves as a bit of a supermarket for, for crypto, but, you know, we also sell them. Uh, and we sell, we let people sell stuff back to us, I guess. So that's kind of the, the difference to that analogy. So um, if the market slows down and people are a bit worried about the economy, they're saving money, more money's going on to things like petrol and all that sort of stuff, undoubtedly there'll be flow-on effects. And you're seeing it in things like Netflix, you're seeing it in things like Uber, and you'll, you know, you'll see it in, in the wider industry. So, um, you know, it's something that we're certainly looking at. Um, you know, we, we have been growing at an incredible clip. The onus is on the directors to make sure that we're in the right side, places and the right size and doing the right things at the right time. And so, we, you know, as a business, we're always looking at the market. And, and we've got, you know, good statistics around buy-sell ratios and what's coming in and, and all that sort of stuff. So, yep. you know, we're just keeping an eye on that. And, and undoubtedly, in crypto, since the highs of November, there's been a decrease in volume. You know, you're seeing it globally. It's all publicly available. It's a fantastic thing about crypto. So we're just continuing to work on our growth aspirations in certain markets. And we're looking at what we can do in the New Zealand market as well in, in terms of... Um, offering a wider array of services and 
making things as attractive as we can as well. Right. So I, I, I guess for the, you know, for the average retail consumer, someone like myself, that every couple of weeks might come to Easy Crypto and buy some Bitcoin or Ethereum. If there, if everything's dried up and there's no money left after my rent and my fuel and my cheese, uh, then where does that leave a service like yourself if, well, if no money's coming in? So again, right? That's you know we're, we're subject to the the macro environment as well. Um, the great news is that that doesn't seem to be happening. Like we are still seeing good volume coming through. I gave up a long time trying to predict markets, but okay. you know, they just <laughs> they just are what they are. Don't call yourself an economist. No, right? exactly. Um, you know, even even and I know you want to touch on it later, but even last uh, was it two weeks ago and the whole uh, Terra Luna thing was coming unraveled. People were diving in to buy that. And that for me, that would have been something I, I would have been quite nervous about doing, but they just saw it as right. an opportunity. So um, there's always people who are seeing opportunity and there's always people who are seeing threat and there's this market balancing act going on. And so, um, you know, we're, we're still seeing reasonably healthy volumes, not, not what we saw in November, but we are seeing um, continuing to grow, still doing lots of signups and stuff. Right. Like that. This is one of the weird things about crypto, right, is that like sort of everything is kind of slowly on fire around us. And yet everyone is maybe not had maybe doesn't have the same enthusiasm as like he's mentioned in November. But you're not by any means completely at the whim of these forces. Like people no, still want to absolutely, uh, and and it's worth noting that it was born out of the last financial crisis. You know, it was Bitcoin came about because Satoshi thought the world needed a different way of doing financial transactions, peer-to-peer -peer transactions. So um, at its genesis, at its core, it's about being anti-cyclical. Uh, Ironically, we are quite correlated with certain tech stocks at the moment, indices, yeah. but um, that's a fairly new phenomenon in the last six months or something. So the, uh, the interesting thing looking forward will be, will it be a decorrelation again? Will it be seen as a fourth asset class? Will it be seen as um, a safe haven asset? Well, you know, all of those narratives that have been around in, in the crypto sector for a long time are still there. Um, having you know the for me the irony was in 2018 the big call for figure that was we need institutional money we need institutional money to be the big guy and now we have institutional money and, and the way they did it was they treated us like a tech stock and so we got we got right we got the good and the bad you know and it happens in everything you cannot you know without good there cannot be evil kind of thing going on so um it'll yeah, just looking be, back it's obvious what was going to happen you think oh, now that makes sense yeah yeah and even the way because my old business, we used to try and solve this problem. The way crypto had to present itself to the institutional market was to take the square peg and make it look round. So you know the the the, the big pension funds and you know all that sort of stuff have a mandate and they can only buy certain assets. Right. So how do you, and crypto wasn't on the list. So how do we solve that problem? Well, we have to package it up and make it look like a a thing that they can buy. And so they. A lot of people, particularly in North America, have been working on that for years and suddenly they've done it in a no surprise, as you say. And, and, it, and it shouldn't be a surprise that suddenly it looks like a tech stock and so they'd be treated like a tech stock. Um, but that's a, a new and you know large volume part of the market, but there's still a huge retail base as well who who are into it for lots of different reasons. And there's always, there's always waves, I want to use that term. And so in certain markets, there's a huge focus on... Um, on gaming, you know, um, metaverse type stocks, the, the, right. uh, uh, and, and, and tokens, 
you've got NFTs running around in various parts of the world. You've got other people in other parts of the world who are focusing more on the payments part of it. So it's not, I wouldn't say it like globally, it's a uniform market. So you're seeing regional growth and, and adoption in certain places because even even now at, at today's prices, it's still seen as quite an attractive option for certain parts of the world. Right. I mean, in terms of that regional point there, like the growth of play to earn that came out of, is it the Philippines? Yeah, yeah. staggering. For Axie is just yeah. unreal. Like yeah. what, what happened with that? I think a lot of crypto people have it in the back of their head, but not so many other people that are worried about their day-to-day -day lives or, or what they're doing is how global these markets are. Yeah, and that's that's the uh, the challenge we all face because we're all domiciled in a certain country with its own rules and regulations, and yet it operates much much more like the internet, and and it's now wealth transference in, in various different forms and guises, whether it's an NFT or a, a token or whatever it is. So, um, you know, that is one of the interesting things going on, and and so as you say, subject to how an underlying economy is is performing you can see spikes in certain regions and certainly you know when Venezuela was having troubles with its inflation and a relationship with the US it was big spikes in crypto uh, it was uh, particularly Bitcoin it was as volatile as it was it was still less volatile than the underlying currency and 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 uh, eminently less controlled in terms of how, where sure. it can go. Well, volatile maybe in both directions as opposed sure. to just the bad one. Yeah. Is crypto as a whole that square peg? Is it now its own unique peg? You mentioned about maybe a fourth asset class. Uh, I'm sure everyone at Easy Crypto sees it that way. What about everyone else? Um, it's certainly emerging. I don't think it's there yet. Okay. And even, you know, the if you're deep into crypto, you know there's you know, 15, 20,000 assets and whatever, you know, if you're an institution, you talk about Bitcoin, maybe Ethereum and stable coins, you know, and so it, the narrative isn't quite the same. Like there are people who are seeing it as an asset class, an investable asset class. And, um, you know, I recently caught up with Rupert Carlon at, at current um, wealth, who, you know, added Bitcoin into his Kiwi saver option. And they're saying, you know, their guidance was adding a small proportion. I think it was, you know, around 5% yep. um, because you can get outweighed gains. And if it doesn't work, hey, you're not going to get punished um, because it's not going to drag you down too much. So, you know, and those guys are still thinking that way. And there's a, the we hear a lot about the outliers like, um, you know, MicroStrategy, which have gone all in. But they are the outliers. You know, there, Absolutely. Are, there, there aren't many businesses who are just so belligerently building the farm like that on on you know in, on Bitcoin, you know. So with Rupert at Cora Investments, is is he crazy for offering uh, no. five or ten percent allocation to Kiwi Savers? I think it's I think it's uh, again like it's like saying don't offer Tesla stocks because it's a risky bet, you know. If if there's enough demand for it, and it's you know what are we twenty twenty two? It's been running now for Bitcoin has been running now for. 12 years that's right so it's it's got enough longevity and there's enough um data points now that people can run solid tas on it and, and analyze it and they can you know as a as an asset it's got enough around it that it certainly is justifiable and do do i still believe that you can get outside gains by investing in it yes you know that's you know we, we believe that in the entire sector but particularly with bitcoin so 
I don't think he's crazy at all. I think it's a, a great differentiator for him in the market. I think uh, if you look globally, he's not, a f- you know, he's, That's a fir- right. yeah. he's a first in New Zealand, but he's not in, in, in global context. That's right. So, it's not as strange when you look around. Exactly. And so, um, you know, if and this is the the danger to all of the narratives is that it can be shaped by the media and the, the location that you live in. And so... It, trying to get a global context on all those conversations is is the critical part. And yeah. again, it, he's not alone in, in, in doing this. And, you know, I don't think he'll be the last either. That yeah. would be my view. I clicked on the press release with anticipation when it came through my feed. And I was like, oh, hang on. Let's have a look at this. And I am definitely considering taking, taking his fund up on that option. Was it brave? Probably, but it was just a good piece of analysis. And, you know, like I said, they've done the, the risk assessment on how much you probably should and where you're going to get the gains. And they've got opinions on that. They're letting people go higher than that. Um, but, uh, you know, good on them. Like, we're really stoked to see it. Yeah, for uh, sure. To, uh, the ideal scenario would be a, a more local ETF rather than one coming out of Canada. But, you know... You, have to take what's out there. That's the thing, right? Yeah, I mean, Canada seems to have put up their hand and said, okay, we'll gobble up a whole bunch of this. They have heaps of funds, maybe That's not right. heaps, but they have, what, five or ten between Bitcoin and Ethereum Correct. That, that are running right now. And that is uh, an unintended consequences of the American regime on, on crypto, right? The, the Americans have made it too hard and the Canadians have gone, we'll do it. All right, let's talk about some global expansion. So Easy Crypto late last year successfully acquired some seed funding, uh, $17 million from a range of investors in an offer that was oversubscribed. Uh, this is from Janine Granger, mm-hmm. your co-founder. She goes on to say, we found it quite difficult to get investors over the line. Cryptocurrency is seen as a bit fringe, a bit volatile, and I think it's taken us a while to find investors who perhaps had that forward-looking strategic vision. For in operation right now, you have business in Brazil, South Africa, and Australia. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so I guess to start this line of questioning, uh, how did you decide on these markets and what's attractive about them? So when we look at markets, there's a, a number of criteria. So we do a market assessment, you know, what is the crypto adoption now? What, it, what What's it growing at? It's compounding annual growth rate. Um, we then have to, because of we're crypto, we have to pay attention to the regulatory regime. Some countries make it incredibly difficult and some countries are, um, are more open to that. There's some critical elements that we still need the traditional finance sector for. We need a bank. Right. Uh, some some countries you can't get a bank account and so they, they get precluded. And then it's it's um, also the way our model works is we need to be able to tap into other um, crypto marketplaces for liquidity and so we just have to understand what's going on there. So we look at various factors around that sort of stuff um, uh, and come up with a plan. Um, and so we're also investigating at least four other markets. Um, we're shamelessly Southern Hemisphere fo- focused. We don't want to okay. go into the Northern Hemisphere uh, for a lot of reasons, but you know, it's pretty competitive up there, but uh, we think the Southern Hemisphere- well, that's is interesting, is, yeah. But that's underserved. And you know, at our core, we believe crypto is the future and we want we want to bring that future to people who, who need it the most. And frankly, that's not someone in, well, up until Ukraine, that wasn't someone in Western Europe. Right. Um, you know, it was it was people who are struggling to, with payments. It's people who who haven't got 
access to equity markets and you know or even banking you know it's that kind of marketplace so that's why we're we focus where we focus the other key variable is we want to know what the, whether that market will respond well to our proposition which is not the same as all, all the other big exchanges up there there is no trading view screen there is no um, complex order structures and stuff like that like we we're, right. we're we're also focused on the very beginning of the crypto journey so we want to help people uh, get into crypto it's not saying we don't have a lot of long-standing um you know kind of ogs in crypto speak uh, using our platform in fact we're always continually surprised that they that, that the amount of people that turn up who've been using us for years but you know our 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 purpose in life is kind of bringing new people to crypto and so we're trying to make that as easy as possible well i'll give you that uh it's it's really damn easy uh especially once you're set up and used to the process yeah I don't know, in under two minutes, I can have an order. And sometimes the order is settled within five or 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which, is, which is quite nice. Um, so maybe just run back to Brazil for a second. So I haven't done the numbers, but do they have an active crypto community in terms of uptake? Yeah, it's growing really, really uh, quickly. They're. Um sadly been affected by currency and inflation for quite a long okay. time so there's you know that's kind of macro dynamic going on there are um, some established players in there but uh, it, it is a market that's growing at an incredible clip uh, and they are um, they are hungry for providers to you know help them on the journey and so that that was a big tick for us um, also um, surprise while they're quite an analog in terms of you know paper-based regulatory regime okay. at least it's defined and you can follow it and all that sort of stuff and so it has taken a while to kind of get all those things lined up and the company structures that we need to be able to uh, completely operate and all that sort of stuff but um yeah it was just a really good fit it's got lots of potential and we think we can differentiate ourselves in that space and go at a scale that makes most new zealand companies head comes off you know you kind of and we've we've had instances where we've done a little bit of test marketing. We've had more signups in a day in Brazil than, okay. we, than we had we had in New Zealand in a week, kind of stuff. You know, yeah. I, I'm exaggerating, but you know, it's it, it is a scale market, and it, and so just making sure we've got everything lined up to deal with that has been has been an interesting journey as well. Uh, when we talked briefly before today's chat, uh, you mentioned about lightweight exports. Um, I think this might fit in here. Can you explain what you mean by Kiwis having lightweight exports? Um, so, look, it's a kind of thought that's been lingering in my head since, you know, the early 2000s when the cloud computing stuff came along. And it was a real opportunity for New Zealand to get out of um, out of our more traditional exports and into what I call a lightweight digital economy. And... And we have, and off the top of my head, three really notable success stories. Zero was, you know, the obvious standout, but yep. Vend was an obvious standout, and Pushpay. You know, those those three companies, and I know there's a lot more, and I know the gaming gaming um, sector in New Zealand is about a billion dollars. So, it's, you know, yeah. these aren't insignificant markets, but that's the type of thing where we can export a digital or, uh, production as well. Yeah, yeah, and so um, that's the type of thing I'm, I'm talking about when I'm, I'm saying that, and I think... Um, you know, I think blockchain is meets all of the kind of gen generic criteria for a disruptive technology. If it's the Paul Callahan model, that it's you know weird and wonderful, and New Zealand could kind of stand up and, and live in that space. And it's being proven. You know, you've got 
um, across the entire blockchain seat. There are a number of very successful New Zealand-based companies. You've got On Finality, just focusing on the DOT ecosystem. You've got um, the Fluff World stuff and, and beyond and NF Labs and all that sort of stuff. So there's a really big metaverse thing going on in New Zealand. And it's, you know, based on what I, and I'm not an NFT guy, but based right. on what I can see, it's, it's, it's really, really good compared to other offerings. So, I'm, you know, it's really impressive. And um, Aaron and the other McDonald's involved in that have, been, have done a stellar job. Then you've got, um, you know, people like Andre and Troy with Outward and, um, you know, tra uh, trade, uh, trade Window who are doing things in supply chains. Because, again, New Zealand is a supply chain dependent business. It's a clear problem. Blockchains can solve that stuff. In a, and so they're doing really well in that regard. And you want Easy Crypto to be on that list? When well, yeah, we are. You know, we, we argue that we are. You know, we're, we're, we're doing our best to grow crypto adoption at a global basis. We just have this focus at one part of the market, and that's this kind of onboarding gateway to, 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 to the crypto sphere. And, um, you know, if people get educated and get wise and get into NFTs or get into DeFi or get into other products that other companies in New Zealand are building, fantastic. Like we, you know, we, we want the tide to rise. Um, but we do think, and my personal view is that, that you know, with the right setups and laws and guidance and around tax and banking and all that stuff that yeah. that um that are continual problems for blockchain type businesses, New Zealand could really turn it on. You know, it's kind of ironic to me that you know here we are in twenty twenty two, thinking about putting a massive data center in next to TY Point. You know, that that that's a good idea, but that idea needed to happen. 2003, yeah. 2004, you know, to be absolutely... To break ground and hit cloud in its stride. Exactly, right? Yeah. And whether or not that happens, I, I actually am not, I'm not following it, but, I, you know, I still hear it. I remember hearing it back in the early 2000s, in the mid-2000s, you know, kind of stuff. And we're a great economy for people to come and do business in. You know, we've got uh, well-educated populations. We've got stable government. We've got low dodginess and uh, just across the, you know what it's... Uh, <laughs> right, the corruption index corruption is, index is low, low globally. Globally, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, our banking is stable, all that sort of stuff. So, you know, we are a good economy to, uh, to be thinking about that sort of stuff. And um, one of the massive upsides of COVID was people realise you can work on a global basis. You know, we are a business of 100 people and we don't have an office. In more than more than half of our people are around the world. Right. Well, three years ago, that was absolutely crazy. Exactly. Uh, and so do I spend a lot of time on video conferencing? Yeah. But that's how we roll. The rules around where you can be access these skill pools, these labor pools and, 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 and wonderful skill sets, are, you know, they kind of got discarded in the hmm. last two years. And so, again, there's no, there's no reason why we, we couldn't make the most of that. Do, um, do you think that banking can fit into this lightweight export theme? You've mentioned it a few times, and everyone that's tried to start a crypto business knows how difficult it is to just obtain normal banking services. And you mentioned that in your expansion, that can often halt expansion plans straight away if there might yeah. be something that comes up in terms of, in terms of banking. Uh, so do you see that as possibly fitting in, or where, where do we stand? Are we still like known to be behind the rest of the West? So, you know, first up, we, we do have a, a, there are, it's not exclusive. Like we've got a, a great banking relationship and we're, we're really happy with how that's been. And I think they are too. Um, but not everyone has had that wonderful experience. And, uh, and it is a risk to businesses that, and you, you, 
You don't hear about it in New Zealand, but in Australia, you know, crypto companies and debanking is a common conversation. And there's been a number of cases that have gone up to the, I think it's the ACCC around that sort of stuff to just go, all we do is this and they won't back yep. us and they won't give us reasons why, that sort of stuff. Um, so I don't know the answer to that. I know that in America, there's a, a bank called Silvergate who went early and said, yeah, we'll deal with crypto businesses. And I know they went from basically being an unknown to very, very successful on the basis of that. And they're so successful, they're probably, you know, if you think about it, like an institutional risk right. to, to crypto. Because they are one of the few banks that said, yeah, we're open for business. They're kind of the default that you would you would yeah. go to at first. And so they're not now, and, and thankfully there's a bunch more banks that are getting there, but it's an opportunity, I would think, to banks. Um, you know, there are a number of, I would think personally that a you know a classic neo bank I've got my fingers in the air because that's a generic term for whatever it's not a, not that it's one of these whatever one of these is okay could could set themselves up quite nicely to 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 deal with the sector if they kind of wrap their heads around it. The thing about banks is their major moat is the regulatory one on the capital requirements and so you end up kind of chained to a nation right so banking yep. doesn't work particularly well on a global basis unless you i mean i think that's very well said banking doesn't particularly work well on a global global basis hence perhaps something decentralized uh, that could do that is agnostic to yeah. the particular regulatory environment but then it's also you know even the imf has come out swinging against crypto and blockchains so they just you know the I forget which strategist, you know, but there's a, there's a famous strategist who said basically, given the choice between changing and, and providing evidence of why you should do nothing, most people get busy finding evidence, right? And that seems to be the case. Like people are still working on why you shouldn't be doing this. They were not looking at the opportunity that the technology can bring. Our market's 24-7. You can, you can shift wealth, money, uh, currencies 24-7. Uh, and that is at least three times better than the current banking system. That's right, just based on that alone. Just on that alone. Yeah. And you can't tell me that that cannot be a benefit to consumers. Like there's no there's no scenario where that's not good for consumers. So what's, what is it What is it that's holding that up, I guess, is the question. And yeah, it's a massive opportunity here. Um, do they have anything like that in Australia? No. Okay. No, no same, same sort of stuff. And, and, you know, and that shouldn't really be a surprise given that the ownership structure of the banks is largely reflective here. Right. You know, there, there are more banks in Australia, like, but there are, you know, our, our major, major banks here are owned by every single one of them by, uh, by uh, Australian uh, outfits. So. Coming back to Easy Crypto, mm -hmm. you folks specialize in being a non-custodial a uh, place where you can buy and sell digital assets. And as we already mentioned, you make it pretty easy. Uh, I had a look a few days ago, you have 159 assets or coins that are being listed. So what are your considerations that you undertake when you wanna list projects? And do you look at any ethical considerations when listing uh, a new coin? Uh, just for example, if I tell my little brother, uh, it's easy to use easy crypto. And he comes back to me and sends me a text and says, uh, hey, Jeff, I just bought a bunch of Shiba Inu token. Um, you know, what's the risk that he's not going to be able to sell it tomorrow or sometime in the future? And how do you how do you folks have that discussion? Yeah. Um, look, it's at one level, it's pretty easy. And at another, it's pretty hard. And so 
Look, we're adding assets all of the time. We, you know, we listed four new ones yesterday. Um, okay, my number is out of date. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, right. um, but we are adding assets all the time. And our approach is to let our customers, not the wider community, because we figured that out early in, in the early days that people will game that. So our customers can vote. And we look at it, um, we do it, we, we, we review it a couple of times a month in terms of what's there. And we look at the assets um, that have come through. And then we go off and do um, a diligence on every one of those projects. So, so you literally look at the assets that your customers have asked for? Yep. Okay. Yep, we do. Um, and we'll look at the projects, we'll look at the founders. You know, Google's wonderful at highlighting people who might have had issues in their past. So we'll look at that sort of stuff. We also look at if, if, you know, to your point, you know, we don't want to leave our customers stranded with an asset that may fall away. So we look at, you know, is there enough volume there to warrant, um, for us to feel comfortable, not warrant, but for us to feel comfortable that it's going to be there in, uh, at least right. a, a, a long period of time, notwithstanding crazy events like happened a couple of weeks ago. So we look at that sort of stuff. Um, we also have to look at, is there is it liquid? So can we get enough of it and try and feel comfortable that people are gonna be able to trade it without massive spreads? Because if it's illiquid, you end up with you know the buy, the buy price and the sell price being quite different. And that just generally makes people feel like they're being ripped off. And so we don't wanna do it. Right, not a nice experience. Or in some place like a decentralized market, you experience a lot, lot of slippage yeah. and you end up with not what you were you know, exactly. promised on the tin at first. Exactly. Exactly, and so we look at uh, we look at that. We also have to be careful not to list anything that's deemed a financial product, and so that's one, another criteria. And there's always questions, you know, oh, maybe you could list an indices, and you know, and we'll, we'd love to, but those are financial products, and we're not listed to do financial products. Crypto in New Zealand, um, most there's a clear delineation between uh, what used to be called um, a utility token and what we used to be called a security token. And so, you know, we, we're in the utility token space, so we nothing that looks like a financial product. And, and so we just have to look at that sort of stuff. So something like a DeFi index, that's not going to turn up anytime soon? Not at this stage, right? Because that would, that sounds suspicious. Without looking at it, that sounds suspiciously like a financial product. Okay. Um, it's gray. Well, it's easier to point to something like that and yeah. say, no, that's a financial product Correct. than it is to point to something else where people are saying, well, I need it to use the network and therefore... Sure. Uh, yeah. So that type of thing would be cause us uh, an issue. So uh, so we look at that sort of stuff as well. And then, you know, to your point, yeah, we, we, def we definitely want to make sure that uh, there's a degree of longevity, you know, and... The, the ethical question is a challenging one for us as well. Right. And we have this debate regularly. Like we, we don't want to be in the business of telling you what you can and buy and can't buy. But at the same time, we want you to recognize that even in crypto, there's a spectrum of risk. If you go to some places, they'll give you a risk rating on what you're investing between one and seven, you know, and, sure. and Bitcoin, Bitcoin's at seven. And I'm like, boy, wait till you see this stuff over here. <laughs> that, that'll be like 30. Um, and so... So I mean, you that's know, a good point. Some of the in, some of the tools on Coin Market Cap, for example, will list you. You know, they've uh, found a risk rating somewhere, and yeah. for a long time there, um, or they've found something like a stability rating. And for a long time, Bitcoin was never at the top, and they had various other ones that outranked Bitcoin. And you think, oh, well, miles. how how is how is that yeah, possible? Yeah, by miles. Um, and, and then you know, in our own microcosm of of, of cryptoness. 
you know, Bitcoin is seen as the safer haven, haven asset, right? You've got stable coins as well, but but, but Bitcoin is, is safer to be in than some of this other stuff. So that gives you a feel for just how funky some of this other stuff can be. And, um, you know, we, we, our, you know, we have this thing internally, we call it the three E's. And one of them is, you know, is it easy? Can we educate people around it? And is it, is it the right thing to do? Is it ethical, right? And so, you know, that's, that we apply that to how we build products. We apply that to how we talk to our customers. We apply it to everything. And so, um, uh, and, and again, though, you know, we 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 respect your right to make the choice. We just want you to be informed in doing that. We right. are, so you do have a system of checks and balances sure. that you're keeping yeah. keeping and, an eye on. You know, and you and I talked last week. Like we're a, we're not the first company in the world to ever list an asset. We that's not what we're about, given who we're targeting. So you know, there, there will be there will always be someone who's who's got it out there in market uh, sooner. So let's talk about a, a big hiccup in the crypto markets a couple of weeks ago. Uh, my notes here, I labeled it the Terra death spiral. Yeah. Um, so just over two weeks ago, UST, the Terra stable coin, lost its peg and began its downward run. Mm-hmm. I had a look this morning. Since the depegging, markets, crypto markets are down about 20% mm-hmm. or 300 billion US dollars. Um, general markets have already been on the way down since then. So I have an easy crypto-based question here, which is uh, how do you handle situations like this? You know, like what's happening in the war room? Uh, I, I'm curious as to what happens when you decide to pull the plug. Uh, and then a follow-up question is can algorithmic stablecoins survive after this event? Mm. Yeah, I'm going to lose some friends on that one. Um, so, you know, that, so the US tier thing was a kind of a, a crypto black swan event and so uh and you know to your usual point in our in our war room like we started to see massive volumes coming um initially sell volumes and then ironically buy volumes people thought it would re- regain its peg and it was you know if you, if if it's still worth a dollar and, and it's now at i think it was at 60 cents or 40 cents or whatever you know those are good gains you know the the, the math works right except for the fact that it could go way lower and so um, we saw a lot of volume in that regard. And then the, the big problem across the entire industry is when, is when everyone started to halt trading. And, you know, I talked to you before about liquidity. Like we go, we go to markets and buy that stuff. And if we can't buy it to fill the orders, then, you know, it creates a problem. Right, your hands are actually tied. Yeah, and, and that chain actually halted. Like they, it, things were so bad that they stopped the chain. So I've also never never seen that on that point. Uh, you know, Solana is now famous for having issues and, and shutting down due to technical issues. Yeah. But uh, the fact that they shut down Terra, I'd never seen that before. I remember texting my friend. I'm like, they actually shut down the blockchain. Yeah. So one, not particularly decentralized. So, you know, and two, holy hecka. So, that, that, you know, for, you, for your audience, that effectively means you can't, you can't sell anything. There's no, there's no, there's nothing to facilitate the transactions. And so so you have a whole bunch of orders sitting there going, what? And you've got an asset that can't move. It was completely locked up. Um, so, you know, in that instance, uh, we tried several things. We, you know, we, we laid our hands on on as much uh, Luna or, or as we could uh, to fill the orders. Um, we also gave our, our clients who had experienced quite long delays because it was just it took weeks to, to unravel. You know, credits. We do everything we can, um, but eventually we had to stop trading it. We just couldn't 
there was no way we could fulfil the orders, and, and ethically, we're looking at it going, that looks like it's heading to zero. Right. And, and it, uh, it really did have that feeling, and yet, as yeah. you indicated before, people wanted to come in and buy that dip. Sure. Uh, and, but yeah, and so so all of that happened, you know, and you know, and any in, you know, war room you know, uh, analogy is a good one. You know, like it, I don't know if you can plan for that. Like you just that's in the craziness of crypto, that's still a fairly unprecedented event. And so you know, we had to respond to what was in front of us, the game that was in front of us. And so that's how we kind of rolled rolled with that one. But sadly, you know, as you said, you know, three hundred billion came off the crypto market, but on that project alone. I think it's like nineteen billion dollars gone, just vaporized, and that's right. Yeah, and a bunch of people who believed the advertising that it was a stable asset have got completely burnt. And there's a big differentiation here between markets being over levered, where people get liquidated from trading. Yeah. Whereas this time, that asset's, that asset's not recovering. You're never going to sell it again for a fraction of. Correct. And, and it was supposed to be a safe haven asset. You know, stable coins are supposed to fulfill that function. That in volatile periods, you go to stables. And uh, and it broke it, you know, and so you know a lot of people got hurt by that, and it's it's unfortunate, like it's really unfortunate. Uh, but uh, you know, they're still going, and Doquan's still saying he's got a plan, butter butter butter. Oh, it's but, insane, isn't it? It's but, just yeah. nuts. I can't believe I can't believe that guy is still tweeting. Like, yeah, I mean, not much credibility, I guess, in, in that regard. It wasn't a great week. And you know, there's and so when price is moving that fast, do you have any? Do you have built-in circuit breakers or anything on on your orders, just based on the fact that you might end up being on the hook, uh, you know, for a lot of easy crypto capital if you're promising these orders and you can't fulfill them? Yeah, look, um, the circuit breaker kicks in when we can't get access to it, so that's how we, that happens. So you know, you talked about the fact our our the 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 time from when cash hits us until when you get your crypto is really short, and that's, right. that's the special source of our model. Um, so that that worked, and you know, when you if you were involved in that, you would have seen the emails. You know, just so the rate that you bought it at is locked in. The problem comes when we can't fulfill the order because the chain's locked or the liquidity sources are stock trading or whatever it is. And so those those were the problems that we that happened. And the the you know the reality is that you know people were placing orders on something that by the time we could get it to them it was worth zero. And so that's why we offered the, the credit that we did because that was not a great outcome and that's not what we're here to do. So but we just couldn't get a in that instance, because the chain was locked and all the other liquidity sources were toast, there was we just couldn't get it. Right. Binance um, um, had a hiccup there where they never expected the coin to trade below 70 cents. And so uh, when the stable went below 70 cents, trading turned off. Uh, and people thought that Binance had shut it down, but it was actually uh, basically an internal system error. Right. I mean, it reminds me of like the Jurassic Park scene where Jeff Goldblum, you know, is saying life will find a way. And on the computer, they say, oh, we've only got 17 Raptors. And that's because they're only programmed to look for 17 Raptors. Right. And when they change the, the limits to say, see what's out there in the park, they go, oh, holy shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm sure there were a few moments like that. And so, yeah, I mean, that, that was, like I said, it was unprecedented. And so, but yeah, that's that was uh, a big week. And, and so you know, stable was, coins going forward, what do you think? Look, I, I honestly think that as an innovation, they're a great idea. They just have to be done properly. 
and um, you know there's three groups of stable coins. There's the fiat backed stable coins, so the two premier candidates are USDC and USDT. Uh, then there's asset backed stable coins, and for me the premier candidate there is Dai. And in fact, I, you know, based on very limited research, that looked like the most stable through that whole period. Yeah, uh, Dai has been stress tested in the markets with yeah. their uh, vault system. Yeah, uh, and seems to do very well. Yeah, so. Um, you know, so that was there, and then you have a group called Algo Coins. I think it's fair to say that, uh, generally speaking, they have been viewed as kind of an experiment, or you know, a little bit suspicious. Uh, I think all of them, and I'm thinking of the five I've seen on a, on a Valkyrie report, all of them got an absolute kicking when uh, Terra went down because people were questioning the actual mode. That's right. Yeah. And, um, as an experiment, we've got our answer, and so I'm not saying that there can't be an algo stable, but I think that needs to be thought through. And you know, look, the, the past is easy to, to look at, but there were people eight, ten months ago, you know, kind of terror truthers out there saying this: if if both UST goes down and Luna goes down, you're going to end up on a run because they were supposed to counterbalance. Yeah, we had that great run last year, I guess, uh, July to November was pretty crazy. Yeah. And that coincided exactly with Luna blowing yeah. up. Everyone got yeah. really excited about it. A lot of people said, well, hang on, you know, the stablecoin is backed by the total market capitalization of Luna. Uh, Luna's algorithmically programmed to be distributed. Yeah. Um, there's, there's no circuit breaker. You can always redeem. Yeah. Uh, and so... You know, people knew on paper there's a there's a less than sign there involved from mathematics. People knew sure. if that imbalance kicked in that there was going to be a problem. Yeah, yeah. And like in in fairness to the Terra Foundation, I think that's the name of them. You know, <laughs> LFG, the Luna Foundation yeah, that's, Guard. Yeah, that's in the LFG. I mean, they had three billion dollars in assets as well. Like they they could see there could be a problem when you've got was it twenty one billion in in um, issuance and you've only got it's only backed by three billion of other assets yeah. and, and luna was in free fall like it was just it it was a classic um bank style run that you, you we have seen in, in traditional finance in certain markets but it was that and it just created a death spiral and then when they started dumping bitcoin and usdt and, and whatever else they held you know it just created a, a systemic run and, they, yeah. and 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 made it worse and again, it was entirely predictable. You know, you're, you, you know, today you're a mathematician. Like you can look, you could look at the tokenomics and work out how to gamify that. And I'm not saying that people did, but um, the, again, I, I had heard, I had heard. I'm on the side that people did. Yeah. Uh, and by people, you know, very large players, people sure. with access to huge amounts of capital. Well, apparently it was on Bloomberg. Like Bloomberg told people that this will be the short trade of the century. Like, uh, and I only I don't follow Bloomberg enough, right. obviously, because I didn't see that. Um, <laughs> but so it was widely known that there was a you know it was a classic George Soros type trade. You knew that someone was going to keep pumping money in, and you knew if you kept shorting it and driving it down, that, that eventually they'd capitulate because the math said it would. And so once that was out, I think it was always just a matter of time. I've got no evidence to support what you've just said, but I suspect you're right. I think yeah. I think somebody gamed it and, and made a lot of money on the way through. I think we will, you know, the blockchain trail exists in perpetuity. I think we will find out more in the future. Yeah. Coming to the end of our time here, 
I want to talk about Blockchain New Zealand mm -hmm. as an industry group. So I'm interested to know what your view is on how an industry body such as us, how you know we can assist members or what you think that the role is of members uh, and where there are areas perhaps that we could help or perhaps uh, you know that we could facilitate potential growth or anything like that like uh, so look I think you guys do a wonderful job of bringing us together because we all get into our little bubbles because we're all trying to be growth engines and that's a full-time job in its own right and occasionally we need to get together and find out lift the heads above the parapet of it and, and find out what's going on and I think you do a good great job in doing that and I also think advocacy like wider advocacy for what blockchain could be in terms of uh, the New Zealand economy and, and all that sort of stuff is an interesting angle for you. And we can do it individually as companies, but I think there's also room for, for an organisation such as yourself. Um, you and I talked about this uh, a while back as well. Like I think if we all stepped back and, re and, and spoke to each other, we would uncover an, a common set of challenges or issues or whatever it is. And I think, um, I, I think we do ourselves a disservice in reinventing that. The only people really doing well out of it are probably other lawyers and the accountants, right? <laughs> and so I think a Simon Stewart type template library around, you know, playbook or something like this for setting up a blockchain business would be a really helpful thing. So they don't have to navigate the same stuff around, you know, yep. regulation and jurisdiction and banking and butter, 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 butter. You know, it's like, I think there's, I think there's room in that. And, um, I hear you. I think that's a good idea. Yeah. Well, look again. Like we, we want the tide to rise. We, that's we're just believers in blockchain and crypto, and so I don't think there's any any reason why that would be commercial confidence. And and whether or whether it is something secret like a inland revenue determination on how tax is treated, you know, crypto taxes. You know, there's all that stuff happens, and we know about it when we meet up because people, you know, tell us that stuff. But it's kind of like. Put the sunlight on it, show it out, you know, sure. that sort of stuff I think would be great. Look, I, I also think there's probably room for conferences in the in our space where we can showcase and understand what's going on and um again bridge this persistent divide between, you know, the, the weirdos who do crypto or blockchain and, and the rest of the world when the reality is it's um you know, I don't think it right. is that weird. What did Janine say it's a bit fringe still. Yeah, 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 exactly. And so I don't think it has to be, I guess, you know, given that companies like Fidelity and Citibank and JP Morgan are all dealing in blockchain and cryptos, that says to me that it's semi-mainstream, like there's an underlying element. ANZ issued its own coin, like they did it, basically did an ICO. You know, that's, that's not, that's not fringe, you know, that's a, a top 20 global bank issuing a, a, a token you know there are you know in a, a cba in australia is, is offering their customers the ability to buy crypto in their app that's not that's not fringe you know that's when things start to get quite right that quite, that's quite, not fringe at all actually that's probably quite telling exactly uh, in terms of the bank's traditional standard business model sure that they're looking to do this yeah. sure and and you know that's me talking crypto that's not me talking blockchain on you know the the ability to transparently and irrecoverably put stuff into a, a, a chain for provenance for supply chain for whatever you know is that's a, a technology i don't think the world's quite got its head around yeah what's next for easy crypto 
Great question. Look, we're continuing to look at what our product offering is going to be. Um, you know, we've we've got something that works really well. We we recognise that um, there's a new batch of consumers coming through who are more familiar with things like sharesies and hatch and all that sort of stuff. So we're wondering what that means for us in terms of um, adoption. Um, you know, I think services such as DeFi are an interesting play for us. It's all well and good giving people tokens. It's like it's now give you something to do with your tokens. Get a get a you know treat it like a crypto bank account type of thing. And I think that's a, an interesting idea for us. By that, do you mean perhaps staking of some kind? I think I, I'm Ethereum's just Ethereum's a pretty I'm, obvious one that's coming generically. Up. I'm going to use the term a, a yield a yield uh, instrument, right? And so sure, sure. Uh, I don't think we have the answer around whether it's going to be staking or whether it's going to be uh, nodes or whether it's going to be into a DeFi thing or anything like that. I, you know, but there are all of those wonderful options. This is the incredible thing right. about our. I mean, that whole thing would definitely run in parallel to what you're doing now. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And so all of that stuff um, needs to be thought through, but all you know, with the overriding. Um, thing of our three E's and and also security, right? It has to be has to be done in a way that that people who are new to crypto right. feel like it's com they're comfortable with it, doing it, and you know, and so we're, we're working through all of that sort of stuff. Um, we're also leaning in on, on our, our growth markets. So, like I said, you know, Brazil and and, and um, South Africa and Australia, we're, we're continuing to work through how we can do some stuff in there. They're, each one of those markets has got an interest, some interesting dynamics. Startups are, oh, I use this kind of analogy, you know, you kind of underwater in the dark on a dam, feeling your way okay. along, and then suddenly <laughs> there's a hole in the dam and you just go, right? And so um, most sometimes you got to find that hole in the dam to just find the, the, the way to move to the next part of it. And so, so you know, we're, we're always doing that. We're always hustling for the, how we can make it make our boat go faster because we want to bring crypto to the world. That's what we want to do. Right. Um, and so, uh, you know, we're kind of passionate about that and we want to do it as fast as we can, um, as compliantly as we can, um, and and give our customers the same cool experience they get here, but in their, their jurisdiction and with their flavors and, and that sort of stuff. And as you've said, you know, Philippines has just completely dominated the infinity world. and. How, how predictable is that? Like you stand back, you just you couldn't pick it. Yeah. Um, there, but there was something about that market where they um, seemed to create this wonderful community tribalism thing that, and they just got in, and and it just federated like you wouldn't believe. Like the network effect was just staggering. Um, and so, you know, like I said, someone found a hole in the dam and, and swam through it, and for sure, got on them. You know, so. That's what we're just trying to do for the rest of our our, our, our growth trajectories and all that sort of stuff. So, all right, I'm um, looking forward to it. Yeah, so are we. All right, we're almost out of time here. Are you up for some rapid fire? Absolutely. Okay. Number one, are we in a recession? No. Number two, FTX or Binance? Can't answer that. Haven't used one of them. Don't, really? Don't know the answer to that. Okay. Yeah. Number three. DAI or USDT? DAI. Why is that? Um, ethics for me. ETH2 after the merge, what are your thoughts? Oh, really bullish on that. Really I bullish. I think we're under-anticipating what that could mean at, at an economic level. 
in terms of it becoming deflationary in supply and all that sort of stuff. And that's a story that the community needs to tell a bit better. That one? Yep. I would tend to agree. All year I've been thinking that the merge is going to be the story of the year. And then uh, Tara had to step sure. in and uh, yeah. throw, th throw things. But it's still a bit early in the year, I guess, or midway through the year. Okay, last one. Who is Satoshi? Oh, well, I think he's a, a wonderful person who brought something absolutely staggering to the world. And I completely empathize with his decision to say anonymous. I don't know if we're ever going to know. Maybe how. I don't know. But uh, I, I don't know is the answer. But I, I'm pretty confident it's not Craig Wright. <laughs> All right, let's call it there. Yeah. Paul, thank you very much for coming by. Perfect. Thanks for the invite. It's been fun. Thanks for joining us. Look out for the next episode of the Blockchain New Zealand podcast. We are now on Apple, Google, and Spotify. So you can find us by searching for Blockchain New Zealand. Cheers.